if you want to talk about like the ultimate self-licking ice cream cone, mm-hmm. take the old, goes in the machine, becomes new again, gets used, gets thrown away, comes back in, becomes goes through the again. machine again. So you have an infinite stream of you, you would theoretically never. You're not going to fill more landfills up. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have more waste. Like mm-hmm. this is the ultimate self-sustaining source of plastic packaging. Good morning and thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Glock and Doc Audio Encounter. My name is Sadie Patchen and I'm sitting here with Dale King and two of the three Glocks, Joe Glockner and of course Tim Glockner. Good morning, boys. Good morning, Sadie. Well, we've got a very special guest with us this morning, but I'm going to let Tim take it over. Okay. Well, we've got my, Joe and I's dad, Andy Glockner, um also known as the Godfather of Portsmouth. Is this the point where legend we has insert it? the Godfather music? Yeah. <laughs> I'll work that at the okay. end, yes. Joe said that we should, uh, he would not make a good mob boss. He's too nice, so we're going to add another zero or O and, and call him the Good Father. <laughs> the Good Father, I like that. What do you think about that, Andy? I, I was just going to say, should I bear my Glock? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> you probably should have brought a gun. Yeah. So, awesome. It's great having you here with us this morning. He's going to be talking to us about um, a new plant, Pure Cycle? Pure Cycle, yes. Coming into um, the area. He has been working really hard on that, and we're excited. Yesterday was the groundbreaking for this plant. Um, From what I've heard and what I've read online, this is going to be an awesome thing for the community. Um, And I'm excited to learn more about it. to disintegrate and um, and a lot of these islands um, are conscious of their environment more than we in the United States and they will not allow that to be buried in their landfills so a lot of these islands have um, just huge amounts of polypropylene rolled into visualize a bale of hay mm-hmm. that's what they're that's how they're stored and um, wish Jim Donnelly was here because he went to Costa, Costa Rica is going to be one of the main suppliers of the feedstock for this plant. They've got literally thousands of bales of this polypropylene. Stored. This is all post-use. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So you know we're in, I think all of us are uh, interested in anything we can do to to uh, improve our. Local economy, basically. That, well, that and, and the, the environment, environment right. uh, mainly, because this thing is it could be world changing. It could could go global. Um, so That's... I don't know where you guys want me to go with this, but I, I was fortunate to uh, get to know a guy by the name of Mike Opworth four years ago. Mike 
was born in Rosemount area. Uh, at a young age, his parents moved to Columbus, Westerville, so he was basically raised there. But he came back every summer and spent a month or two with his grandparents, who still lived in Rosemount. Uh, Mike worked for Governor Kasich when Kasich was a congressman over in D.C. He was a staffer. So Mike had formed a company 20 years ago with a couple other partners, and they were very successful in bringing on 10 or 12 big new companies throughout the United States. Kasich asked Mike if he would um, spend some time in southern Ohio and try to get us on track on, you know, finding a new industry in here. And Mike had kind of wound down in his career. He's probably early 50s. So he came and um, he joined our Port Authority. Mm-hmm. I think you guys had a podcast on that yeah. last time. Right. And uh, just a well-connected guy, a smart guy, knows how to put deals together. And um, so he asked us if we wanted to participate, and we were interested. And we reached out to a family called the Wassons, Greg Wasson, ex-CEO of Walgreens, retired in 2014. He and his family have got a foundation and kind of a uh, venture capital type thing. Mm-hmm. And they're interested in mainly green technologies, anything that has to do with improving the environment and lifestyles and create jobs, create economic vitality. So we've partnered and um, we're on our way to hopefully build a, a, a plant that as one of the speakers yesterday at the ribbon cutting is a guy from um, the Plastics Association of America. That's not the true name, but he, what he say twice? This, this is a big deal. It's a game changer. Big. Deal. <clears throat> he said that this kind of stuff comes across his desk all the time. He's been doing this for 15 years, mm-hmm. and he's only attended two groundbreakings in 15 years, and that's how much he believed in it. Yeah, wow. that's great. So, so for those that are listening who maybe have not heard of this yet, um, where is the plant going to be located? Okay, the plant's going to be located in some existing buildings at the Dow site at Haverhill. Okay. And as you guys know, Dow, you know, closed their operations three, four months ago. And Dr. Bill Dengus, who runs the Lawrence County Economic Development Corporation, has bought all those grounds. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he's done a great job in Lawrence County and attracting new businesses, new industry, and... It's a great site to house probably four or five, six smaller companies. When I say smaller, you know, what we're trying to attract is instead of trying to attract these big deals, which we were fortunate to get a big deal across the river with the aluminum plant, but it's so hard to land those big, big industries that because there's so much competition, so you're better off going after 50 and 100, 200 um, employee size plants and this plant initially will employ about 60 people, but as they grow to industrial scale, they'll continue adding people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read I read that online that they're starting out with 50 to 60 people mm-hmm. and that their goal is to really employ a lot of um, graduates from the tech, the technical college. Yeah. The Minnesota County Career Technical Yes. Yeah. So I thought that was really awesome, too, to keep the employees. Well, number one, give graduates jobs out of school, and number two to keep them here and back in their community. I thought that was really, really awesome. 
No, you, you bring up a really good point. You know, for years, look at all the, the higher ins educational institutions around us that are churning out some really talented young people. Mm -hmm. But those, and most young people want to stay in their hometown. Mm -hmm. There are people, as we know, that you know, can't wait to get away, but a lot of people want to stay where their roots are, where their family, but they get out of school and there's no opportunity. Right. So we're trying to create some of those opportunities. And, and yeah, the Career Technical um, Center, Stan Jennings, he will set up a training center um, or a pod that is directly correlated to this uh, recycling mm -hmm. technology. So they'll actually be trained before they mm -hmm. go to work yeah. on what this machinery does. And as we know, it's very little manual labor. You know, it's robotics, it's technology, it's automation, automation, right. and um, and then the technicians that work on the equipment. But it's high tech stuff. So, you know, have so to be people that are essentially Pure Cycles found a way to take used plastic packaging. Mm -hmm. Go through a process, a proprietary process that some really smart people figured out. Mm -hmm. So you're going to take old packaging, run it through a machine for way dumbed down purposes, and at the end of it, it spits out brand new packaging. Almost like Pellet. virgin. Yeah, it's, it, it comes out almost virgin, and it will come out <clears throat> in pellet form. Huh. So the pellets then will be added, either added back into an existing uh, product or make 100%, you know, like shampoo bottles um, out of out of this recycled, almost virgin plastic mm -hmm. pellets. You know, the interesting thing is, is they also, this, this process um, will um, diapers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. It takes the odor out. It takes the material that's not usable and separates it. Oh, and, wow. And also on the coloring, a lot of plastic polypropylene diapers, you know, they've got coloring to mm -hmm. it. Takes, it separates the color. So the I'm well aware. I was going to say, yeah. that's like Dale's department. Yeah. Speaking Dale's language now. Yeah, two at a time. Yeah. 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 Joe's got some experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no kidding. <clears throat> So it takes the old material, because the problem is current companies, you know, and Procter & Gamble's a, a piece of, of this uh, venture group too, right? Yeah. So they, they develop the process, yeah, right? Yeah. It's On their, a small scale? They're just giving us the licensing rights to take it to market. Because they're going to be a big end user. They are absolutely going to be a big end user, yeah. So and the issue is right now, a company like Procter & Gamble, who's using... Tons and tons of polypropylene, I would assume, they can't use any current recycled material because it doesn't fit their acceptance criteria. Yeah. And this is the one thing right now that can take the old, spit it out brand new, and can be reused. And over and over and over. Over and over again. So if you want to talk about like the ultimate self-licking ice cream cone, mm -hmm. take the old, goes in the machine, becomes new again gets used, gets thrown away, comes back in, Becomes goes through the machine again. again. So you have an infinite stream of, you, you would theoretically never, you're not going to fill more landfills up. 
Mm-hmm. You're not going to have more waste. Like mm-hmm. this is the ultimate self-sustaining source of plastic packaging. That's awesome. Yeah. Right here in Scioto County. Yeah. yeah. So why <laughs> Scioto County though? Um, <laughs> when they asked if I would participate, I said, I will, if you'll promise to put the, the first plant here. That's so, awesome. I'm not saying I'm the reason, but, um, you know, I want to, you know, my thing is, is I want to leave this, I want to leave this world and this region better than I found it, mm-hmm. you know, and these guys have heard my philosophy probably too many times, but, you know, I was taught that, you know, we're stewards, you know, mm-hmm. we're care, we're caretakers and, um, we take from this environment, this community, we've got an obligation to give back and, and there's a lot of us, I mean, there's a lot of good people that um, are working towards this end is to reindustrialize this valley, this mm-hmm. region. And I'm, I'm not just talking Soda County, I'm talking Northern Kentucky and Western West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And we've got a good cohesive group that instead of just looking within our boundaries, doing what's good for Soda County, let's, let's look at it regionally mm-hmm. because there's gonna be spillover. If they land a plant in South Point, which there's been many, a percentage of, of the jobs that are going to be taken are going to be Soda County people. <clears throat> so um, let's break down those barriers and work together and, you know, bigger is better in that case. So. It sounds like you guys have made a lot of progress there because I think it wasn't maybe five years ago there were five economic development voices basically mm-hmm. or offices and I believe there's just one now in Soda County yeah. and you obviously work well with uh, Bill Dingus and the guys in Lawrence County. And Joe heard yesterday when Dr. Dingus spoke, um, he's got an idea that he talked about breaking down barriers and and uh, looking across county lines and even state lines for the benefit of this region. And he's he he put out a a uh, an idea that maybe we should join forces. And what I'm saying is, Soda County Economic Development Group joins with Lawrence County and. And we house that at the Dow plant because it's on the line. Santa County is right on the line. Okay. And the available, they've used, Lawrence County's used up almost all the riverfront area, so they have nothing else to develop. And we have a lot between mm-hmm. 522 mm-hmm. and Haverhill. There's tons of good acreage and mm-hmm. rail, water, you know, natural gas. Mm-hmm. And, so that'll be the focus. Well, you, of course, you know all this, and you're with Jason Kester all the time, and he was on our podcast um, a week or so ago, and he talked about how the bypass really isn't the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Dale. <laughs> and then it, it opened up three industrial parks, um, being uh, the one on the on the two county lines um, in Franklin Furnace and then uh, Menford at the airport and Lucasville. And we really do have... We're set up for success. Mm-hmm. That, that feels like there's a lot of momentum. Yeah. Oh, a lot yeah. of good things are happening. Well, Jason, of course, was with us yesterday at the groundbreaking. He came over to the dam, and he had to leave, and he was heading out to Menford to meet with a prospective new industry that wants to locate here. Mm-hmm. And um, he said that it's real close to being announced. So, you know... That's the other thing. When you have a win, you create momentum. It creates excitement. 
it, it creates uh, attention, so we're going to get all this attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when InVenture, which is the name of the company that's really behind PureCycle, um, when they went national, they were in USA Today, New York Times, wow. um, LA Times. Um, they've had calls now from GE, from General Electric, want to know what other intellectual properties they have that that they can help you know bring to market too. Eli Lilly is called and their R&D people want to work with us with intellectual properties they've got proven that are just sitting on a shelf that have not been taken to market. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting talking to these P&G people you know they're big big corporate and um, yesterday one of the high level P&G people that was there is Kathy Fish and she's over their whole research and development office. Seven thousand. Oh my gosh. Seven thousand people they've got. It's the largest research and development office of any corporation in America. And um, she said, you know, we could tell she was important when she was at the dam yesterday. I didn't get to meet her, but I was like, wow, she's like impressive. Yeah, super down to earth. And um, um, she said, you know, we know how to develop technologies. We've got all these smart engineers and scientists and all this, but we really don't know how to take them to market. We need people like you that understand business, understand markets, know how to go after those markets. And raise the money. Raise the money. Well, and execute. Hire the talent. Make it happen, mm-hmm. like you say. Yeah. 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 So, well, that was. Good. I think that's an important part. Like, one of the principles we talked about, or we learned the last on the Jocko seminar was like momentum is huge and the only way you can get momentum is by being aggressive mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily aggressive in a negative mm-hmm. standpoint but just being hungry for making things happen and if one guy can do it it shows that the other guy that he can do it two becomes four four becomes eight and before you know it you know you have pure cycle coming in you may mm-hmm. have another thing in Medford coming in and people can see like well I think now, now's the time. Like if, yeah. the, if you can continue to get the momentum going, and it's just like in a in a football game. Like you can feel that <clears> energy <throat> when that momentum starts to swing, mm-hmm. and then it just makes you, gives you the sense of belief that anything can happen. Well, one of the other things that's pretty exciting, and this Kathy Fish told me reiterated it yesterday, is that the next intellectual property that InVenture is looking at that the P&G people have developed is a new type of packaging. Huh. And um, you know what a juicy box is. Mm-hmm. You will. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it reminds you of, of a, a larger juicy box. It, it doesn't have a form of a bottle or, you know, an oblong or like a bottle of water. It looks like a big juicy box. It doesn't have any inherent form but and I can't tell you the technology but what it does you know when you use your toothpaste you get about halfway down you have to roll it up mm-hmm. this packaging you never it dispenses 100% of the material whether it's a hand lotion a shampoo oh, a wow. toothpaste somehow There's it some sort backloads of the package with air, air yeah. and you know and so that's awesome yeah I don't know how much of a product I do end up throwing away now that you mention it. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. because I don't yeah. feel like holding it upside down for 20 <laughs> minutes yeah. to get it to run. And what they're what they're saying is they would like to place that new packaging plant right next to this recycling plant. Makes sense. 
where yeah. the recycled wow. material yeah. comes out, goes next door, goes into the bottle plastic packaging process. And not only that, they also have developed a process. Normally, when you've got a product like you do, you develop the product, whether it's a goo mm-hmm. or a Under Armour sure. thing, and then it gets loaded into the package. Mm-hmm. This, what they have developed is a process where they make the package and they fill the package at the same time. So they don't take that all these empty bottles, ship them to a packaging place mm-hmm. where they're putting their right. shampoo and yeah. hand lotions in. It'll all be done right there. Oh. And she's pretty much stated yesterday that, you know, they want to put that plant next to this. <clears throat> wow. That's and awesome. then they've got an idea for a third plant. She, I mean, it, it's exciting. Yeah. And they, they love our people. They love this community. They've got an interest in going into communities that have been economically depressed and, you know. Mm-hmm. So. It's pretty interesting that we could we could go from the steel mill uh-huh. to, like, plastic mill. Yeah. So my, you know what I mean? my question is... Good point. Women in plastics. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, Dale... You, you can opt out of answering this question. I will not. Go ahead. Send it. <laughs> Do you recycle? We, yes. Not as much as I should. I'm um, going to take that as a no. I'm going to go with that's a... That's I would re- a <laughs> you recycle at the gym, and that's a new thing. Right? I would recycle more if I was incentivized to do so. Okay. Question, Joe? Dale. How long do you retain those dirty diapers? <laughs> <laughs> that's more of a question for Tia. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, do you recycle? At your house? Yeah, we, but not until this venture started. Exactly. It was like, it was like motivation. It was more motivation because nobody, mm-hmm. when there's nothing, when there's no end to it other than taking it and throwing it in a, in a separate colored dumpster. Right. It's less meaningful than when you can possibly see Where it's a going. new outcome for it. Tim, you recycle? We do not. So or my wife does. Yeah, she has since we were kids. Yeah. So I went to Ohio University in Athens, and that's a pretty big hippie town where everybody recycles. Every trash can has a separate recycle bin right next Mm -hmm. to it. So you're like, you almost become brainwashed to like do the right thing, recycle, recycle. Mm -hmm. And when we moved down here, we built a small house and had things like a composting toilet inside, and like really a, a tiny house, a tiny house. Like and, the size of this room. Yeah, well, smaller. smaller. And um, so we had things like a composting toilet, recycling cans, um, a composting bowl for our coffee grounds that we wanted to. And when we got here, our landlord and the people we were around, we were like, well, where's where can we take our recycling? Who comes and picks it up? And they're like, no one. You just burn it out back. Yeah, pretty much. So I think what I'm getting at is that this is going to, like Dale said, incentivize the people in the area to recycle because they want to keep the jobs here in town and to give back to this you know they'll be more inclined is what i'm saying to be environmentally conscious of what they're doing with their trash and i think that that's an awesome thing in my eyes anyway because that's Mm -hmm. something that i care about so and i think we'll all be recycling from this point on if not more than what we already do like dale there's a lot of beer cans. <laughs> well, it's not, not plastic. I was going to say, I'm talking plastics and, and your diapers, Dale. Check. So that's, the, that, that's kind of the what and the how of the plant. My question is, you know, as a, somebody that's young into the game, starting their own 
their business that's you know early twenties, hell even early thirties. How how do we get to the position of the good father <laughs> that can can participate in these deals where we're where we're dealing with the governor and we're dealing with SOPA and how what does it take to be able to sit in the position that you're at as far as, as venture capital is concerned and looking at um, making those big deals. And I know I'm asking, like, yeah, what's the last 30 to 40 years of your life look like <laughs> to get there? But I think yeah. it's important that people can can see that, that, you know, if you're starting at your lemonade stand, your lemonade stand today, you know, 30 years from now, if done correctly, like, you can be involved in, in big-time things. Networking. Hmm. It's all about people, right? Everything's about people. But it's also about the right people and the right places and the right positions. And, um, you know, that I was introduced to Mike Otworth, didn't know Mike Otworth, and told me what he did and said, here's what I'd like to do. I've got this relationship with Procter & Gamble, so there, there it is again, networking. Mm-hmm. He sat on Eli Lilly's board, big-time corporation, and he earned the trust and confidence of these people, and his background speaks to his success. He knows how to raise money, knows how to attract the right people, and make things happen, create mm-hmm. business. And um, so it was like yesterday, networking with these Procter & Gamble people. I mean, these, these are high, high-level people. To say you're not intimidated, you know, I mean, right? They're they're smart. They've they've climbed the ladder, but you know, in the end, they're just like you and I. They put their shoes and socks on the same way we do. Mm-hmm. They're down to earth, grounded people. Want to do the right things for the right reasons, and um, it's pretty fulfilling. But I would have to say networking, and yeah, who you know. That's true. You got to be willing to get involved, though, right? You've been on. How many different boards over the years, and mm-hmm. to give back, <clears throat> trying to trying to create jobs and grow our company in it for your yeah, whole you career. You guys talked about it on your podcast. I mean, that's what it's all about. It doesn't matter if it's a you know a you know sole proprietor. It starts out as his only employee, right mm-hmm. the way you did, and mm-hmm. as you grow and you build, and um, and then you attract even better people who are good at attracting clients and mm-hmm. you're providing a service that's in demand and you do it well and the word gets out, people tell more people and you get new clients and bigger clients and so it has to, there's trust has got to be somewhere in there because you can't blow smoke and get mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. with very much so I, I don't if, if we follow even a little bit in your footsteps. Um, trust is way up there with networking because I don't. I don't know that I've ever known. I don't think you've ever lied to anybody. If you told somebody, <laughs> if you told somebody that you were going to do something, that I mean that that was it. It was. I'm not doing this to make you feel good. So you walk out and you go do your job well again. It's like if you come to me for a question, and I tell you that that's it. That's mm-hmm. the that is the gospel. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I might stretch it a little bit, <laughs> but, uh, but, you, but, it's, but you follow. But yeah. you got to follow through. I mean, you can't, you can't 
you can't drive all the time. Yeah. So for 40, 30, 40 years ago, these guys were running around in diapers. What, as as running Glockners at that time, was did you think, okay, 30 years from now, I want to be in a position to where I can and start looking at venture capital deals or what has your has your goals changed as absolutely I can tell you when I was their age what I was worried about more was failure um, because I was given an opportunity but also a responsibility Mm -hmm. to carry on a four or five generation business from your father yeah Mm -hmm. and my grandfather and I didn't be I didn't want to be the one that you know, <laughs> sounds a lot like business. what Tim talked yeah. about. Know where we get this? And, and it is, and it's <clears throat> it's pressure, but it's real. And so when I was their age, yeah, I was more c- concerned with continuation, growing that business. But no, I never. Thirty, forty years ago, I never envisioned that my desire would be what it is now, which is go out and make it a better place, and hopefully create industry, which creates jobs and. Leave, leave this place a better place than what I found it. So, yeah. And there's a bunch of people like that. I'm, I'm part of a Tri-State Angel Investment Group. There's 20 guys from Huntington, Ashland, Ironton, South Point, Sariva, Canova, down here, Pike County. And it's probably the best board I've ever been on. And mm-hmm. they're all totally aligned in doing the same thing, which is... And most of us are either winding down on our careers or they've already retired. And they just they just want to give back. They wanna they wanna revitalize this community, this mm-hmm. region. We keep talking regions. Right, so. right. And um, we're having some successes. We got a couple other announcements that I can't tell right now, but they're oh, come, come on. Break it, come on, break on it, break the, the, the news. On the be, we won't tell anyone. Yeah. Yeah. There's ten people and we just find out about that's it. Yeah. <laughs> We've only got ten listeners. And so. I mean how many of us are in the room? Yeah. <laughs> but so. subconsciously well you you might not have had that as your goal to be a venture capitalist thirty or forty years ago, but your dad and and our grandfather he was, was heavily connected. He was a he was an entrepreneur and, and was looking to do some of these same things and was connected, uh, did a lot of uh, party politics um, and got involved with local government and traveled all over the country trying to make things happen. So, yeah. I, awesome. I can't see myself doing that in you 20 will. years. I don't really have the desire to do that now, but... You will. <laughs> yes, Dad. So when, yes, sir. when um, you know something like Pure Cycle comes along your way, and you, and you guys are passive investors in that, mm-hmm. um, which to me means basically you had to give up a big piece of cash to try to make this happen. When when you're approached with stuff like that, and of course we're not going to talk about how much of the piece of cash was, but I'm sure it was substantial. What? What is your criteria? Because when you when you throw that money out there, I mean, at something this risk, I won't say it's risky, but you don't know if it's going to come to fruition. So what's what's your decision criteria for being like, I'm going to give this hundred bucks away or whatever you know, that's going to be. Can I help answer this real quick? Because I asked this question, the same thing as 
is this going to, whatever you guys are about ready to do, I can tell you're all, you're all in. <laughs> Worst case, is it going to bankrupt us? And they said, no, it's not, it's not going to hurt us like that. And best case was, you know, it could be really great for the area. Well, to be honest, we were all in before we even had a licensing agreement or any type of agreement. Yeah. So, um, so is it, so- it, it came back to what Joe said was trust. And, um, Otworth, and again, I'd only known him six months, nine months when he pitches this and says, here's my idea, but, you know, we need seed money to get this thing going. Mm-hmm. And the inherent risk was huge. So, I mean, if the process didn't work, you know, <laughs> um, if he was BSing me. And um, so, yeah, we took a, a huge risk, but. So are, are you just thinking like worst case scenario that money you put in is gone and it, yeah. you, you, it's not it's burnt it's not coming back I'm but done. we're not going broke yeah right yeah well that I mean that's a big left and right I guess like what made what made you believe in it to be like okay yes other than having met him nine months prior and building that trust just the simple fact that it was going to be better for the... No, you know, I think um, credibility, mm-hmm. knowing that Procter & Gamble had We're behind this. Yeah. And, you know, that's huge. Yeah. And for them to have trust in Mike Otworth and his group to allow them to have the licensing rights to take this to market, that's that's pretty big. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's and was there... At, and, was it ultimately a gut call? Like, was there anything about this decision where you're like, this is not a good idea? I've never felt that way. That's but, um, and, and then looking to what this could do. I mean, you know, I'm not a greeny weenie, but you got to admit, we've not done a good job of taking <laughs> care of our environment um, here or globally. Right. And if we don't, I mean, we're literally being buried in trash. And, you know, we've got to find ways to better than just burying stuff in landfills mm-hmm. or people dumping, dumping them over it. a hill yep. or throwing them in the river or the ocean and polluting those. And this is a small step, but it could go, you know, a long ways into the future of at least curbing yeah. additional, you what, know. That saying... Um, Act locally, but think globally. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. this is like the perfect example mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. You know, start local, and then it just—it's going to be a big, mm-hmm. you know, um, ripple effect of of what it could be in the future. And it starts right here in Sayuta mm-hmm. County. I think that's really awesome. They've already identified nine other sites in the U.S. where they want to put these plants. Pittsburgh would be next, somewhere outside of Chicago. I can't tell you the nine, but they're already identified. And that's, and that's they're, interesting. They're short-term, short like two and a half years, there will be half half these plants are going to be either being built or operating. Yeah, the thing with these plants, Joe heard this and probably understands it more, but talking to these P&G people and John Lehman, the young scientist that developed this, so the machinery that's going to do this is built in modules. So it's like Tinker Toys. You bring these modules in that are already built by the manufacturer that they've chosen, and they come in and you hook them together, and it's operational. So it's not like it's going to take two, two and a half years to build this 
aluminum plant, you know, two mm-hmm. million square feet. They actually, the process will doesn't need a building. The machinery doesn't need, they need a canopy just to protect huh. from, but it'll be an open air. All the enclosed areas that they're going to utilize will be for feedstock and for finished product. Mm-hmm. So it's not like having to build a building and run. They will have to do electrical upgrades and plumbing, whatever, but it's pretty quick turnaround from setting that plant up to actual production, maybe six months. So, wow. so the first That's thing awesome. they'll do is build the pilot plant and perfect the, the process before they go to the industrialized um, size mm-hmm. of a bigger plant. That's awesome. So... So are they going to be able to do that with these buildings at the Dow Chemical site? Mm-hmm. And so they don't have to build buildings for the first pilot plant. Okay. So on the back end of that, because you said there's a pretty quick turnaround um, from to, to, to the production part, how long has have you been working on this deal? Two years. Two years? You know, and that's um, Donnelly's speech over there, mm-hmm. you know about Eb saying what took you figure so long <laughs> and that's the most frustrating part about being involved in creating new businesses is how long it takes to turn the ship mm-hmm. you know you think you just turn the light switch on and make it happen and there's so much because it's so capital intense you're dealing with EPA and permitting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and anytime you deal with government it's a slow process. They don't do anything quickly. Mm-mm-mm-mm. And you got to jump through all kind of hoops and legalities. And so I wish it was coming on quicker, but it's just well, the process. Yeah. 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 So at this point, what was it? And I'm just completely changing streams, but so as you're getting, you're going through, the boys are getting older and now they're coming into the business. Mm-hmm. What's it what's it like having to turn over the business to three of your boys? You know what? It was really, really easy. Really? Yeah. <laughs> um I you know, some people have I've got friends that just don't want to let go. Um I don't know if it's an insecurity or an ego thing, probably a combination. Um, power. Um I I don't I don't think I've got those attributes, and um, if I was happy to hand it over to them. I had confidence. Mm-hmm. They're better business people than I was. Um, they get it. That's a stretch. They get it. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. So was there a period of, like, allowing, like, because in the, in the military, I transit, I bring everything back to my experience, but, like, when you're getting ready to leave country, a new unit's coming in, it's called a relief in place and uh, transfer of authority, a RIP TOA. And you go through those all the time as you're leaving in and out. So did you have some sort of process for, you know, as you know, Tim being the oldest, he was the first one to start coming in. Did you have some sort of training in your mind that, okay, I'm going to let him trip and fall a couple times so he can learn on his own? Or were you completely hands-off, hands-on? or Pretty much OJT. On the job training, yeah. I failed for a few yeah. years. Definitely, uh, that, you know, if you can learn from your mistakes, that's that's probably the biggest uh-huh. learning curve. Um, the other thing, which is that seminar you and Tim just came back and he's shared with me, I mean, it's true. Discipline and humility, 
you know, are probably the two biggest characteristics. There's more, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, that's huge. But no, I, I had no problem. I actually, Tim pushed me over the edge. He came to me four <laughs> years ago and he said, uh, dad, me and Tim and Mike, I think we got it. <laughs> and, um, why don't you just kind of move aside before <laughs> into the finance Ooh. and insurance business? Okay. And I was, I thought it was more tactful. Than that. <laughs> no, it was. No, it, was. <laughs> <laughs> it was not offensive. But, right, but that was the I gist was, of the I conversation. Had, you know, that impressed me that he had the confidence and, and had the confidence in his brothers. Hey, we got this. We've been working 10 to 15 years apiece, and, you know, they'd already started and they'd revamped, you know, po- you know their policies and procedures and their mission, and, and it. It didn't waver far, but they're more disciplined in their policies and procedures and systems, and and um, they've done a done a great job. So I had no problem moving aside was fine. I was just telling did I tell you yesterday I'm thinking about going Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> and, uh, there we he, go. He worked yeah. six days a week for thirty five years or yeah. something like that. Just started taking Saturdays off recently. Yeah. It was funny. I was talking to Jim Graff and he's quote unquote retired and I was out at his house and it's talking about Godfather. Like he's, he's out there showing me around the garden and the whole deal and, and, you know, just giving me little pieces of advice here and there. And I'm like, so like now that you're retired, cause I'm thinking he's out in his garden four days a week. You know what I mean? So I'm like, well now that you're retired, you know, do you go into the office that much? He goes, Oh yeah! Now that I'm retired, I, I just come home at three o'clock now. <laughs> that's what, that's yeah. what retirement. Is. I go in every day. I, I go in every day. Three. I just come at three o'clock. Well, Graf is he's he's a super talented guy, but where his strengths, in my opinion, watching him, is he is a master technician and and an artist. I mean, he can build things. He can plumb. He can wire. He can. He knows that. Machinery, and I think Andrew is, you know, is probably better marketing manager, manager of people, mm-hmm. and um, and Jim, I, I know because I've talked to Andrew. You know, Jim's the go-to guy when they've got a technical problem when one of the machines isn't running right. He he can go in and figure it out, right, mm-hmm. Jim? I mean, he's that's what I understand anyway. Mm-hmm. That's some pretty complex machinery mm-hmm. that they've got. That's, so, did you ever foresee? You know, now that Tim's 40 and then comparing when you were 40, did you ever foresee that the, you know, essentially the, the you guys would just kind of sweep down through the tri-state or were, were you just kind of solely focused on the GM store out there? No, I think um, Tim, Tim liked to read it. Tim likes retail a lot better than I did. Uh-huh. Um, I, I loved, you know, a lot of people don't know, but our finance company is pretty big and um you know we've helped put a ton of people in business and people don't realize that and then we live with them we mentor them and there's a lot of self-satisfaction so i'm talking about truckers lumber excavators you know different types of off-road equipment and um and then we've grown our oil business which is a wholesale distributing business non-retail and then we started a, you know our own um, finance company to finance people that really 
have marred credit ratings, so mm -hmm. and we can help them get in a car. Tim really had a love of, of the retail business, and he and Mike have really been the ones that have gone out and expanded that retail, you know, um, through their franchise, franchise system. Yeah. yeah, and Joe's more of a he's more of finance type guy, mm -hmm. so it fits. You're going to be good. You're going to be better at things that you like to do. And sure. I don't think I was that good of a car dealer because I really never loved the car business. I loved the people business. Uh -huh. Loved all, everything about people, customer, employees. But really, you know, people would say, you don't have a Corvette or a collector car. I don't think I ever had Chevy Corsica. Yeah. You drove an S10 pickup truck pick for years. Truck, man. Yeah. I, you know, I'm a hill jack. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, love it. So. Well, I think it's kind of uh, very interesting too that you know three different brothers, three different talents, mm -hmm. um, and then how how you guys you guys figured out a way that to split different areas and focus on so what you weren't good all at. you know yeah. Jim Jim Donnelly. I I call him the. God sent a guardian angel with that guy because he, he saw that coming and how family businesses can, because of ego, mm -hmm. can, can collapse around you. And he came up with this idea that we would manage by function. It's not a new concept by any means, but it was new to us. So we managed by by function instead of rooftop. I always thought that was your idea. You know, was I take ideas. credit for a lot of things <laughs> that aren't my ideas. Um, <laughs> Newsflash. <laughs> but... But that was good. Hashtag. He, <laughs> see, he's, he's cool. Um, you mentioned Jim Donnelly, and you wish he were here to talk about the plastics plant. I think he did a better job explaining that. Um, but we might have him come back and talk about another green technology that we're involved with um, and hydrogen. Mm -hmm. And we'll save that for another podcast. Yeah, because yeah. it's a really cool what? story, too. Chris and, and Carol were coming to the party. I think they're they're coming down to buy a new car tomorrow. Okay. They're picking up a new Equinox, and they said, "You know, what are you doing this weekend?" And I said, "Big party, big time." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and once you come, so it'd be me. They, these guys would love him. Oh, they would absolutely yeah. love it. That's an amazing story it's too. Amazing story. Yeah. There's a teaser for for another podcast. Yeah. Very Not cool. to mention all the teasers Jim put out there on our. Question and answer. Yeah, I'm excited to meet him. Who Donnelly? Mm-hmm. Oh, something else. Bring it. Bring your dictionary. Webster's the big one. <laughs> yeah, the big one. Okay. Big You're, one. He's like the man behind the green curtain. Yeah. The Oz. Cool. He's very, very, very interesting. Yeah. He he's been you know going back to these boys. Jim has he's he's been a mentor to them. Mm -hmm. And I, I thank him all the time because, you know, as a parent, talking to your children, right. especially as they get older, um, a lot of times they'll listen to somebody sure. else better than, and Donnelly always had their ear and trust. and He's been a godsend. Yeah. And uh, when, we were, when we were leading up to the uh, mentors episode, I thought about talking about him, but I knew we'd have him on the podcast and... um. But yeah, we talked about having three or four. Well, you went through three of your mentors. Mm -hmm. I, I picked John James, but he's been super. That was awesome. Great. Oh, man. I was going to ask you, since you're here, 
Were you worried that Tim was going to go into the horse training business instead of the car business? No. <laughs> <laughs> Could have stopped to that. Uh, he had some real nags. I mean, some of these horses look like <laughs> half dead when he died. Of course, one of them, one of them kicked my dad back. Put him, him in the hospital. Put him in the hospital yeah. for 10 days. Uh, but, um, yeah. No, but those are good. That was a huge learning experience. And you know what? What a great mentor, mm-hmm. John. Just, did you guys get to meet him? I, I didn't get to meet him personally yet. We he saw a like, really awesome he, video of him putting a slam down on Tim. He's supposed to be at the party tomorrow. So. Okay. Cool. Right. So before, before you yeah. go, so... You guys, so I want to ask you two a question. What's up? Your dad, uh, being in your dad's position, so 30 years from now, where do you, where do you envision a Glockner's Enterprise being, and where do you envision yourself being, and when you're in the good father's chair from now? Joe, I'll let you go first. Oh, man. (laughs) 30 years from now. Well, the the car business is going to be completely different. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, it used to be. It used to, everything used to be so hands on, but now we give a customer the ability to do all their due diligence before they ever make contact with an actual person, which really simplifies everything in some instances. Um, but it's a lot more moving pieces than a telephone and a piece of paper. But thirty years from now. So are you going to be on an island? Yes. I have or, to be. Check. <laughs> or will you be like, all right, boys, I'm going to Monday, Wednesday, Friday now. and Taking uh, my days back to 3 o'clock. And work, working on these big deals. We might be on the island Friday through Monday, and we'll come back and, and put something together. Right. I, I suspect we're going to be here for the rest of our life. We're going to yeah. carry on a tradition. That's, that's what we've done for 170 years. And we'd like to see our kids get involved if, if that's what they want to do. And Dad, I talked about that before. He didn't put any pressure on us. And my grand, I joke and say my grandfather, like, he, he didn't, I just felt obligated, I guess, mm-hmm. to carry on the family business. He didn't say, say it so much. But you know, we'll see what happens. We've got 10 grand, 11 grandchildren, and we'll see what happens. I'd like to see it go on to the seventh generation. I would say I was just putting it together, and you got a lot of females coming up. Yep, a lot of strong personalities Mm -hmm. too. (laughs) There's been a couple uh, ladies in our family. The guys seem to get the credit, but um, Aunt Helen Helen, uh, was my great grandfather's sister, sister, and she kind of, while he was off doing whatever he did, partying, uh, she ran the the Chevy store, and before that. Bernard's wife. I mean, that, since we've been doing the research on this building down on Market Street, mm-hmm. she she outlived Bernard by 15 years and changed the name of the business to M. Glockner on, on the hardware store. So evidently, she ran the show for sure. a good number of years. So that's awesome. We'll see what the girls can do. <laughs> Probably do it better than us. <laughs> Probably. Typically, that's how that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. works. All right. Well, Andy, thank you so much for coming in yeah. and giving us a little insight on pure cycle um i can think we i think we all like i said agree that we'll definitely be recycling a lot more from this point on 
um, Joe, Tim, Dale, thank you guys this morning. Can I say just a couple things? Yeah, go right ahead. Before we close, and please don't take offense. Just a, you know, a little critiquing. A little <laughs> yes, sir. Observation. No, <laughs> Um, you know, I really like these podcasts. I've listened to them some. Of them I've listened to two, th- two, two, and three times. And uh, but it just appears um, at times you lose focus and just go on these ramblings. <laughs> <laughs> and I catch myself, and I, I have to rewind it and listen to it again. I'm like, what, what the hell did he just say? <laughs> and I'm going. You know, this guy, if he doesn't have something to say, he just makes it up. <laughs> but, I mean, no. Just, just a little observation. Thank, yeah. thank you very yeah. much. Is there going to be an outtakes podcast? Du- just Duly great. noted. Duly noted. Oh. Well, then, with that being said, before we go, I don't know if you've heard the latest episode or not, but I'll ask you this question. Do you always put the toilet paper roll back on one after it runs out? Heck yeah. <laughs> That's a good leader right there. Uh, only success. because um, I'm married to one of the meanest women. So oh, she, sure. She barks at me constantly. Yeah. She's a saint. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Um, if you have any questions, we've been getting a lot of questions to our Glock and Doc at gmail.com account fist bump. Good job. All right. So subscribe on iTunes or Google Play if you want to hear more. We'll be back next week. Thanks, guys. Get some. Thank you. Good. Make a little money. Make a little Don't need no spotlight to shine on me. Wanna-